want to ask you one question. What do you want to be remembered for? Last week, I definitely was not. You know, the weeks before, we were just raking in some money, and I definitely took a few big swings, felt a little overconfident, and I paid the price. I've now lost my lead that I went into in my DFS account. I'm back down to 25. Took some big swings, and it really didn't pan out. There are a couple players, Austin Hooper, that I thought would have an opportunity, but apparently they've been eviscerated from their own offense. Josh Kelly, rough. That was rough. It was rough to watch, rough to see. That did not happen the way I thought it would. DJ Moore again. Just the big pieces that I took a swing on did not pan out, so if you played those people on my account, I apologize. What we are going to do is bounce the fuck back big time. I'm your host with the most. I'm FF underscore IMBQ. With me as always is FF underscore RTDB. Jacob, how'd you do last week in the old DFS? Yeah, it's going to be similar. It's going to need to be a bounce back week. Uh, We were about minus 25% last week. You know, I think problem was that it was a chalk week and you know the plays that i touted that worked you know were predominantly seattle based plays um and i wasn't the only person who had the wise idea to play russell wilson and tyler lockett last week um the entire world did that so you know on a lot of my best plays we just weren't really skyrocketing up the board and you know some of the deeper plays worked um i had a lot of Devin singletary and you know, it should have worked better, right? I think it's just one of those weeks where the process was great. He had over 100 yards. He got two carries at the goal line. He just didn't get in. You know, if he converts one of those, that could have been the difference between a winning week and a losing week. Kenyon Drake probably was like the number one reason why my week sucked. Um, I played him really, really aggressively, and he was absolutely terrible. Uh, he didn't even hit 10 FanDuel points. And in a week where scoring was to be had in a lot of different games, Having over half your lineups have Kenyon Drake in tournaments is just going to kill you. And, you know, I actually did min cash a lot. Like my cash rate in tournaments was pretty similar to what it was in week one and week two, but we just weren't getting any big wins. Um, for whatever reason, the smaller shots that we played, like T. Higgins, um, like Andy Isabella, that did work out, they just weren't paired together enough. So the, you know, the core was too popular. A couple of places didn't work and, and the periphery didn't stack together. So it was a bad week, but. We're going to bounce back, and we're going to find the plays. We're going to work harder. We're going to put our hard hat on. We're going to get to work, and we're going to we're going to find some find some plays in this week, which I think think is going to be a more fun slate this week because I don't think we're going to see as concentrated ownership because there's a lot more fun games this week that I'm excited to get into. The games are definitely way more open, guys. 
we are ready to get into the Full Tilt Podcast DFS edition. We're getting into it right now. What we always do is hit you with a little information, a little bit of strategy, a little bit of breakdown for people that may not be as DFS prepared or, I guess, informed or up to date or hip and with it as the cool kids say. Really just old people that think cool kids say that stuff. Jacob, what are we going to hit? What knowledge are we swinging their way this week? Yeah, I want to talk about value at running back. So, you know, a lot of what uh, I think I've sort of touched on briefly on this show so far is, you know, we want to spend up a running back and find the value at wide receiver. And why is that? So I want to get into it with a little bit more in-depth data. Um, and I want to note that all of this is very specific, at least what I'm citing, to FanDuel settings. But you could probably take a lot of the theory from it and put it towards DraftKings because it would be fairly similar, I'd say. But specifically, the reason I want to talk about value at running back is we saw last week, you know, two running back, well, really three value running back plays totally yeah. pop off. Uh, Mike Davis turned out to be a smash play. Um, Jarek McKinnon was a really good play. Probably would have been even a better play if he had stayed healthy for the fourth quarter. And then correspondingly, of course, Jeff Wilson was, was a decent play. I don't know how you didn't play Jeff Wilson, but if you did, I guess good for you. And then the other uh, one was Daryl Henderson, who was a really great play last week. And I think what, I don't know, I think going into this week. Think, hold on. See, think, yeah. I, I think you're missing someone. I think you're missing a big boy. A big boy that had a big game on a Thursday night. And his name, oh, was it Thursday? Yeah. Oh, James freaking Robinson. Yeah, James Robinson is like, is, is he became, he went from like one of the most fun ads that I was touting in the offseason to now he's becoming like the bane of my existence because he just keeps getting traded for absurd shit. But anyway, yeah, if you were playing the Thursday slate or if you were like some of those serial killers that play the Thursday through Monday full slate, um, like Tom is, um, then yeah, James Robinson absolutely fit the bill for you. Um, but regardless, I, you know, I want to make sure that people aren't learning the wrong lessons. Um, right. So I think the lesson of last week is obviously that value running backs can pay off. Um, is that something that's sustainable in the long term? And the answer is yes and no. So I'm pulling some data that, uh, Jim Sonis of number fire put together on value running backs. And basically what we're looking at with value running backs here specifically is running back $6,000 and under. Um, so this applied to all of those guys I mentioned last week. I think some of their prices have gone up by a little bit. Um, but you know, we might be seeing other value running backs this week still with, with some of the injuries that are happening or, you know, some guys like Carson who seem like they might be a game time decision. So how do you decide when to play a value running back? Because of course it's always going to be attractive to play someone who's cheap and save that salary elsewhere. Specifically, in perfect lineups. So when you go through what is the best possible lineup that you could create, um, you know, retroactively, there's the magic number for value running backs. Those under $6,000 has been 22 FanDuel points is the average of any of those running backs under 6,000 that end up in a perfect lineup. And very few uh, running backs, $6,000 and under have actually ended up in perfect lineups over the last two full seasons. So basically what that's saying is it's, it's pretty unusual to see a week like we saw last week where there's so many cheap running backs popping off. 
But because we're in a COVID year and there's going to be probably more injuries than we've ever seen before, I think we got to consider that maybe that's going to be more popular than it has been prior. And I also think that, frankly, we're, we're living in a running back market right now that's more efficient. So 22 FanDuel points, right? I think you have to assume that you're getting a touchdown in there. You probably shouldn't bank on two. So what are you getting those other 15, 16 points? And what we've generally seen is that they have to get some form of pass work. There's actually been more perfect lineup running backs that get six catches in a week than there are that get one or two catches in a week. So what we're looking at here is we need to make sure that if we're paying down at running back, that it's probably a running back that's going to get goal line work and it's a running back that's going to get pass game work. If they're not able to get goal line work and pass game work, it's very, very difficult to hit 22 or more FanDuel points. And so, you know, a guy like a Daryl Henderson last week definitely had that opportunity. Um, you know, a guy like Devin Singletary had that opportunity. It didn't pay off. Uh, Mike Davis certainly fits that model. Um, but I don't think we can just apply that all the way through and really have to think about that as a process. So that's sort of the thing that I wanted to go over. If you're thinking about starting a running back that's cheap, are they going to get pass game work? Are they going to get goal line work? And if they are, then it might be something to consider. So paying up for the running back is definitely the strategy, even though kind of everyone's going to do it like that's and you make your hay at wide receiver. That's kind of what it sounds like to me that you're going with, that it's it's more profitable to pay up and get the sure hit than the pay down because they just average wise don't finish. Now, that's later in the show. I'm looking on DraftKings and David Johnson's 5,600. David Johnson's not a value type running back. But he has a value number on a wicked uh, defense. If you're looking at value for running backs, because you're what I'm hearing is that you want to pay up for a running back that's more likely to smash. There are a variance between DraftKings and FanDuel. What I'm looking at right now is at DraftKings. David Johnson is 5,600. Now that's a value price for a non-value game, and I think that's just because he's had a rough slate. In this situation, are you still willing to play David Johnson at 5,600 as a quote-unquote value play in a high uh, uh, over-under matchup at his price, or would you still ignore that and pay up for the more top-tier guys? Again, this yeah. is a DraftKings. Right. So for people at home that, that only play one of DraftKings or FanDuel, first thing is, is that... Um, you know, when we bring up salaries, they don't necessarily mean the same thing. So FanDuel, your max salary is 60000 total. And for DraftKings, it's 50000 So for instance, a $5,600 price on DJ, that's a 6700 on FanDuel. And that's actually pretty equal in terms of how they're valued, um, that 5600 on DraftKings versus 6700 on FanDuel. Um, so I think DJ is a fine play this week. I think he's in that mid-tier. Um, to me, you know... DJ is going to be DJ without Duke Johnson was a fantastic play because he was getting like 90% plus of snaps. I think something with DJ this week is you've got to decide, you know, is Duke Johnson actually going to cut into his pass game work um, or not? So I don't think that there's necessarily a super big floor with David Johnson, because I think that there's a, definitely a world where they fall behind and it's Duke Johnson time in the second half. But I also think it's possible that Duke Johnson just isn't that involved. He's coming back off an injury, and we haven't really seen them run a full game with those two yet. So if we're seeing the type of workload that we saw to David Johnson the last couple of weeks, 
I think he's absolutely a decent value, you know, in that mid tier of running backs. For me, I would probably spend the extra, well, it's 200 on FanDuel um, to get up to Austin Eckler. I don't know what the differentiation is there on DraftKings. That's probably where I would look is to get up a little bit higher with David than David Johnson. But he definitely has touchdown upside, and I think he's utilized enough in the receiving game that he could be a decent play. That's interesting that it's only that much because on DraftKings, Eckler is 7,100. Oh, my goodness. David Johnson's 56. James Robinson's 65. Like the value running back is starting to even itself out as the year goes on. And that's also something to keep track of. You do have to stay more in tune with how the season is trending because these values are going to go up and down and up and down. And you're really going to have to not go in every week with maybe the exact same strategy. So that's a little bit about valuing your running backs and when to spend up and when to come down. And the next thing we're going to get into our plays we like to do our tournament plays we like to do our uh cash plays so we are going to get into that and after that we will get into our game stacks and we are going to do game stacks a little bit differently normally we pick you know three or four games that we're really looking at but this week is a weird week so i want to have a little bit more time than normal to go over these game stacks because there are a lot of super good games this week that are shaping up with very high over unders. So Jacob, why don't we get right into your tournament plays for this week? Go ahead. Quarterback, where are you going to go? Yes. Yeah, so we're starting right in that game that we just talked about with David Johnson. Um, Deshaun Watson, you know, if you listen to the full tilt dynasty podcast, I talked about him as a fun uh, by low candidate in the super flex league. And, you know, Deshaun Watson is someone I'm going to be targeting pretty aggressively in DFS this week. He's playing against Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota looks better, um, you know, in terms of strictly points given up to the quarterback position than they've really been. Um, just because the touchdown luck for Phillip Rivers and Ryan Tannehill has gone towards the running backs the last two weeks. But there's just no way around it. Minnesota's been absolutely brutal on defense this year. Um, in particular, their secondary so Deshaun Watson is only at $7,800 on FanDuel this week. Um, he's priced down quite a bit um, from where you see a lot of the other elite quarterbacks who are up in that 8000 to 9000 range on FanDuel this week. So, you know, you have access to Deshaun Watson as sort of a back-end QB1 almost. And he was a guy coming into the year, you know, even losing Hopkins, who was pretty comfortably drafted around QB5, QB6. And... I think this year, you know, he has been sort of that back-end QB1. But look, we've had to play. We've had to play KC, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. I think those are going to be, you know, three of the top 12 defenses this year, frankly. Now he gets not only just sort of out of the woods, but he gets to go up against an absolute cake matchup. And I would assume he's going to be under own because, you know, a lot of those guys near the top right now, Russell Wilson, Pat Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, are coming off of these huge, huge performances I think Deshaun's kind of the forgotten man. He has one of the best matchups on the board, and he's got a lot of receivers with a lot of speed um, that I think could easily, you know, break out a couple of big plays against a pretty suspect secondary. Yeah, I'm looking at Watson. He's definitely in a bunch of my lineups right now, and I think he definitely will absolutely pop off at running back. What is your play for tournaments that you are just sold on? It's going to happen. Yeah, you know, I don't know if sold is the word. <laughs> um, I feel like I've sold like part of my soul 
Um, yeah. You know, Kirk Cousins, uh, before the season, what was it he said about uh, not wearing a mask? He said, if I die, I die. Um, that's how I feel about rolling out Joe Mixon this week. If I die, I die. Um, he's 6,800. You know, we mentioned DJ at 6,700. So Joe Mixon is squarely in the mid-tier of running backs this week. And if you had told me, you know, in week four, um, if you told me before the season, sorry, that in week four of the 2020 regular season, Joe Mixon would be playing at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars and be just a $6,800 running back, he's like not even in the top 10 priced running backs this week. I would have told you I'm probably going to have Joe Mixon in every single lineup. Um, He's obviously been pretty uh, disappointing for fantasy this year, to say the least. But, you know, I think he still looked good. I I don't think that it's a talent issue with him. We've seen it over the long term that this is a good running back. He's going up against a team that you can absolutely run on with success. And as a home favorite, you know, we might not have the Geo problems this week. They might not have to play from behind and have Geo come in in these passing situations. So, you know, Joe Mixon is absolutely not trustworthy in cash anymore until proven otherwise, but in a tournament where people are so out on him, I mean, I'm doing FanDuel best ball drafts up until uh, this past right. Thursday and he was going in like the fifth round, um, you know? So people are so out on Joe Mixon. He's getting traded for, you know, a bag of potato chips and a lot of redraft and dynasty leagues right now. Um, so, to me, I think you, you got to just bet on the talent there. And what if Joe Mixon pops off and you're getting a $6,800 star running back in a great spot at, like, I think, like, 3% ownership? I don't think he's going to be that popular. Yeah, he's, again, I'm going to keep rolling out my lineups. Eventually, he's going to pay off, and it's going to feel good when he does. At wide receiver, what is your tournament play for this week? Yeah, I have I have sort of two bounce-back targets. Um so we're sticking with the theme that we had with Joe Mixon, where it's just guys that have just clobbered you, where if you drafted them where you drafted them, you're probably just really sad or you've traded them um, right now for probably too little. But I couldn't even decide between these two. So it's going to be co-favorite plays at wide receiver. It's Odell Beckham and DJ Moore. Um, the peripheral numbers on these guys is really good in different ways. So with DJ Moore, I mean, he's coming off of two straight games where he had over 50% of the air yards for the team. That's unreal. I mean, DJ Moore last year was getting tons of targets. He's getting tons of catches, but he was never a guy who was getting a whole ton of air yards. So he still, um, you know, has well over a 20% target share on the year. That's among the top 15 for wide receivers. He's definitely in that range. His air yard share has ballooned this year where he's actually being used on more deep looks. So if anything is peripherals is possibly even better than last year. The offense is certainly better. Teddy Bridgewater has been not outstanding, but much better than Kyle Allen. Um, And he gets to go against an Arizona team that probably, you know, not a defense that I'm particularly afraid of targeting and they're going to put up points. Um, So DJ Moore probably going to be under owned, has a really good peripheral profile, just hasn't scored a touchdown. And he's getting the kind of deep looks where it's possible you could see one of those massive ceiling games from DJ Moore that you probably wouldn't have even seen last year where you were more reliant on volume. Um, yeah. The other guy I'm looking at is Odell Beckham. And I know like if there, if Joe Mixon is like being viewed really negatively by the public, um, I don't know if Odell Beckham is being viewed maybe even more negatively by the general public. Um, I think people look for excuses to hate this guy personally 
But, you know, he is the wide receiver 38 on the year, so it's not totally unwarranted. With him, he also has a pretty good peripheral profile. He's seeing a ton of air yards. He has almost a complete monopoly on deep looks in Cleveland this year. And he has a 28% target share. That's among the top five in the entire NFL. Why hasn't that translated to success? Well, in week one, it was inefficiency. And then in week two and week three, he's been very efficient, but the targets haven't been there. Baker's only attempted 23 passes each of the last two weeks when they've really been able to be way out front and running the ball over and over again, which I can't blame them for. Baker's been struggling and they have two excellent running backs. But this week, they're going against the Cowboys. Um, The Dallas Cowboys can score on pretty much anyone. Um, And I don't think Cleveland's defense is so great that Dallas is going to be running into a whole lot of problems. So whether Cleveland gets up early or whether they're totally down from behind, I don't know how this game is going to go. And we'll get to that in the game stack portion. But what I can say is I would be shocked if Dallas doesn't put up at least, you know, 25, 28 plus points. And if they do, Cleveland will not be able to just run the ball over and over and over again. We're going to probably see Baker upwards of 35 attempts in this game, I think. Does that mean it's going to be efficient? Probably not. But does that mean we're probably almost guaranteed 8 to 10 targets for Odell Beckham? I would say probably. And he's going to be going up against corners that he should be able to easily beat. He was open a lot against Cincinnati and and, uh, Washington the last two weeks. I expect him to be open a lot in Dallas, indoors in a game that per, that has a really high over-under. And he just won't be owned because people hate him. So I think that there's an opportunity for Beckham to break one or two really long touchdowns in this game, um, whether that be you know his classic slant routes or whether that's on double moves, which they're running a lot out of play action. And I think he could be a smash play. To me, this is reminiscent of the Stefan Diggs week six game last year when you know, it was Stefanski offense, they were running the ball, everyone was out on digs, and all of a sudden he exploded for like three touchdowns against Philly. So I, I'm going to be playing like way too much Beckham this week, and if it doesn't happen this week, maybe I just give up. But I'm, I'm in for one more week. You just got to take the dive just one more time. Completely, un- completely, completely, completely understandable, if I'm honest with you. I just can't do it mentally. My heart can't do it. I, I got to disagree with you on Beckham, but he is... In my heart of hearts, a great play for DFS most weeks, especially with how hard you're right. People are fading them. Is there a tight end that you're targeting for sure on tournaments this weekend? Yeah, I'm going to try and make it faster because I spent a lot of the time there justifying um, Odell Beckham to prove I'm not completely insane. But uh, Darren Waller is my tournament tight end this week. I think there's a lot of value at tight end, um, and I think a lot of people will spin down. But there's also a lot of value at wide receiver and at running back this week. So I think you can afford to spend up at tight end. Um, Waller is a full $900 cheaper than Kelsey and $700 cheaper than Andrews. Um, you know, Kittle's not on the slate. So I think of that top tier tight ends, he presents a bit of a value there. He's going up against the Buffalo defense that has been beat most often over the middle of the field. We saw Cooper Cop, who you know, runs a lot of tight end style routes for the Rams last week really have success against them. We saw Mike Isaki go completely supernova against them in week two. So I would expect Waller to have a lot more free space um, in this game than he did against New England, where they really made an effort to clamp him. Ruggs is probably not playing this week. Edwards is not playing this week for sure. So, uh, you know, I I think you're going to see possibly like 12 targets for Darren Waller. Um, And he's a really athletic guy, so he can break a long play. Um, even if he just gets targeted on a lot of underneath routes. So I like Waller this week. I think Waller should be in your lineup pretty much every week moving forward. The guy, people are going to really hate on him for the egg that he laid in uh, New England. But guys, 
it's New England. Like, we got to, you know, hold back our expectations a little bit, right? Uh, defense this week is rough, okay? You're not, there's not really that bargain bin gem that I can see over here on DraftKings. Is there one that you're kind of looking at over there uh, for, for defense that's kind of a steal, or is it just pay up for the obvious? Yeah, defense is pretty terrible. Um, I won't even divide this into cash and tournament. I'll just go over a couple that I don't hate. You know, usually what you're looking for with defense, of course, is, you know, teams that are likely to win the game by a touchdown or more, be able to get positive game script on, you know, a mediocre offensive line or mediocre quarterback and try to get turnovers. With this week, you know, the, the teams that are in that position that have a decent defense are really highly priced. And if you look at the bottom of the board, you're looking at, some pretty rough defenses, mostly going against good offenses. So I'll run down a couple that I don't hate. Baltimore at 5000 max price defense this week. Um, they're not finding any sort of value there, obviously, but I think it's worth paying up for. They're a 14-point favorite against Washington, who is the gift that keeps on giving for fantasy defenses. And Baltimore, I would expect to come out pretty angry after that Monday oh, night performance. Pissed. Um. One sort of mid-tier defense that I think will be really not owned this week, but I don't hate, is the Bears. Um, the Colts have not been very kind to opposing fantasy defenses the last few weeks. They've been at home. They've been running the ball a lot. They've been in positive game script. Rivers has really just had to manage the game. But there is a very high likelihood of, of rain in Chicago this week. Um, Chicago is 3-0. and um, So, you know, it's possible that they get neutral or positive game script. And if they can get out front and force Phillip Rivers to have to throw it a lot in the rain um, against the Chicago team that historically has been a much better defense at home than on the road at 4,100, I don't mind that at all. Um, going down the board a little bit, Arizona at 3,800, uh, not a great play by any stretch, but Carolina has been pretty middle of the road to below average on offense. Um, if DeAndre Hopkins plays, I like this more because I think that heightens the chance that Arizona can get a couple touchdowns in front and really start teeing off on Teddy Bridgewater. And Arizona is like sneaky okay on defense. They were really bad last year, and I think that perception is carried over, but they actually have an above-average pressure rate, um, and their, their secondary has improved. Um, you know, Patrick Peterson is playing well. Isaiah Simmons at linebacker has become kind of a do-all for them, and I, I think that they're, they're a sneaky play. And then all the way down at 3,400 is the Cowboys' defense. I will be playing a lot of the Cowboys defense, but, um, you know, Baker Mayfield doesn't scare me at all. If, if they get Baker um, in negative game script where he has to chuck 40 passes, you're going to get interceptions. I think that's an absolute sure thing. Cleveland's offensive line has really improved. They actually ranked top five in pass protection this year, but Baker will extend plays unnecessarily. Um, and so I think he'll give them opportunities to rack up some points. And while Dallas's defense is really atrocious on the back end, um, I do think that Lawrence and Smith might be able to get a few sacks. So you could do worse. Yeah, I'm definitely riding out the Cowboys defense this week. I have no faith in Baker, no faith in the Browns outside of Chubb and Hunt. They don't scare me away with my money. So that would be our tournament plays. As we referenced in previous episodes, cash games are different. Jacob, run through your plays for cash this week to help people make a little bit of extra dough. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if this is the first time you listen to the show, um, tournaments is, you know, anything really large field, tons of entries. 
um, you know, and only about the top 20% or so cash. And you really want to be in that top 1% to actually see a profit, you know, across all your lineups. So there you want to be a little bit more risky. You want to play guys like Beckham and DJ Moore and Mixon that uh, nobody else is going to play. With cash, you don't care about ownership. You're probably only playing in a head-to-head or you just need to be in the top half. And it doesn't really benefit you to have that week winning upside. So in terms of plays that I think are sure to hit value this week, uh, my quarterback, you know, Deshaun Watson, first of all, I think is totally in play for cash games this week. But um, to differentiate a little bit, um, I, I don't mind spending up for Kyler Murray this week. Um, he's been about as safe as you can get the quarterback position. Um, he's averaging eight rush attempts per game. He's averaging about 60 rushing yards per game. And even last week, he managed to put up 25 FanDuel points with three interceptions. So he has, I think, frankly, a floor of like 25 FanDuel points. He's going up against the Carolina defense that doesn't scare me even slightly. Um, I would be lower on Murray if Hopkins doesn't play. So I would say my backup um, cash game play, if it's, if it's a no on Kyler Murray, would be either you go with Deshaun Watson um, or if you want to spend down um, you know, I don't even mind Teddy Bridgewater, frankly, in this same game, who I think you're at least going to get a floor with him in a, in a game where they're at home and they're probably going to be chasing points if you want to spend all the way down and spend up elsewhere. Or, I mean, frankly, just go with Lamar or Russell Wilson or any of those guys at the top end. Um, right. Ryan Fitzpatrick would be another one that I, I kind of don't mind, who's sneaky in his low price at 7100 if, if, uh, if Kyler is not able to be, you know, that max upside play without Hopkins. And we saw last year... You know, it's tough to say, right? Like how much of Kyler's progression is due to Kyler's progression and how much is it due to having DeAndre Hopkins? But, you know, I don't want to find out in my cash lineup this week. So if, if Hopkins is out, I won't be playing Kyler in cash. Absolutely. Valid point. Have a backup. Have a pivot. Pay attention to the Friday injury reports and pay attention on Saturday on what's coming from the teams, not the players, and be ready to have backups. Jacob. Running back, cash game, go. Yeah, I mean, I won't spend a ton of time on the on the top play because it's like the most obvious one ever. But if you build a cash lineup without Alvin Kamara this week, you're just you're you may as well just take your dollars, just like light them on fire in the street. Um, to me, the only way that Alvin Kamara doesn't hit three x value this week is if he gets hurt. Um, to be totally honest, like he's playing against the Lions, they're a pretty terrible defense. Jared Cook is out. Michael Thomas is out. Um, you know, I think Breeze has been checking down at higher rates than even Drew Breeze normally checks down at this year. And all he has to throw to is Emmanuel Sanders and Traquan Smith and Adam Troutman and Deontay Harris outside of just checking down to his running backs, which is what he wants to do anyways. You know, I say with Breeze, he's not a check down quarterback. He's a check up quarterback. His first read is just to throw it to Kamara, and he only really looks elsewhere if that's not open. Like, it's so bizarre to watch where his favorite thing on earth to do is to just throw it four yards down the field to Kamara and see if he can break a couple tackles or, like, eight in the Green Bay game last week. So, you know, we haven't had Kamara on the main slate since week one, so it's exciting to get Kamara back. Uh, In tournaments, I think you probably just have to swallow chalk with Kamara, but like you're not getting any sort of value with him because he'll be just ludicrously highly owned. But, you know, I I would have pretty large fear of missing out when it comes to him. But in cash games, he has to be in your lineups. If you're looking a little bit cheaper in cash um, to round out the rest of your lineups, 
Um, I kind of like Daryl Henderson. A um, little bit risky in cash because that backfield seems pretty fluid, but Cam Akers is out. Uh, Malcolm Brown has been sort of battling an injury and looked pretty uninspiring other than that one Sunday night performance. Henderson, I think, is the only guy who can contribute in all three phases in terms of between the 20s carries and goal line work and receiving. So I think he's just fine this week. And I think Austin Eckler is fine this week in uh, on FanDuel. They're playing against the Bucks at a game where they'll probably be trailing. That favors Eckler much more than it favors Josh Kelly in terms of game script. And I think we saw last week that Eckler really asserted himself back as the lead dog. That could fluctuate, but I think Eckler's pass game work is probably enough of a floor at a value price that he is going to be just fine um, for your cash games. Yeah, man. I mean, and remember your flex points in FanDuel, you want to have a running back. It's not full PPR. You can't sneak a wide out in there. Whereas for me in DraftKings, I regularly play a high volume tight end or wide receiver to try mm-hmm. to make up a little bit of ground on DraftKings. Full PPR, always keep that in mind. That's going to. Did we talk about defense? No, oh. we haven't even done wide receivers. What is your. Oh my goodness. Your cash game wide receivers. Who are they going to be? Yeah. Um, so cash game wide receiver. Um, I'm going out to Traquan Smith. Um, we mentioned uh, that that game um, in terms of how little pass catchers they have to throw to. But Traquan Smith, since sort of stepping into the Michael Thomas role, at least the most anyone can, has been the clear leader in air yards for the Saints the last two games. He's had seven targets and six targets, and that's been with Jared Cook healthy. So at this point, I think whenever he's not passing to Kamara, uh, I think there's a pretty good chance he's going to be passing to Traquan Smith. Uh, I think Emmanuel Sanders is also a perfectly fine play, but he's $500 more um, on FanDuel at 5,800. Traquan's all the way down at 5,300. And frankly, his workload has actually been better than Emmanuel Sanders. So I'll play some manual, but I'll be playing a lot of Traquan Smith um, this week in cash games. I also think that Brandon Cooks, and I know this is insane to say Brandon Cooks in cash games, but if you're looking for a guy who's going to play a lot of snaps, run a lot of routes, and probably have a pretty safe floor of like six to seven targets on average at just $5,300 against the bad secondary at home. Um, I like Brandon Cooks this week. And Will Fuller, they say he's fine, but he had some sort of hamstring tweak. So, you know, if he was to re-aggravate that during the game as he's wont to do, then that just makes Cooks uh, all that much better of play. I like him in both tournaments and cash games this week. Good way to hedge your bets is knowing that Will Fuller could be gone at any moment. And <laughs> this reputation for being, you know, an oft hurt wide receiver, but he's really not. It's just a stigma that's come the last year, year and a bit. So he's usually fairly sturdy, sturdy and a good play. Who's your tight end shot in cash games this week? How does that differ from your tourney? Yeah. So this is a guy I will probably play a lot in tournaments, but um, this is going to be my cash game tight end in a lot of lineups. Cash game tight end is what basically annihilated me from winning money last week because I had Dallas Goddard who got injured on his very first catch. Um, so for the game, so we never got to see how that one was going to turn out, but this week I am playing Dalton Schultz. Um, since being inserted into the lineup, uh, as Blake Jarwin's replacement, he's seen 10 targets and six targets. Um, that number might be a little bit misleading because Dallas has had to pass like an obscene amount of times. I think it's been something like 106 pass attempts over the last two games, which is absolutely whacked. But, you know, the way that they're playing this year, they are playing at the fastest pace in the NFL by over six seconds per play. That is 
remarkable. They're literally six seconds faster than the second fastest team in the NFL. So they're going to be getting a lot of pass attempts, even going against Cleveland in a game they probably project to lead. On top of that, Cleveland has been very giving at the tight end position. Uh, Mark Andrews absolutely destroyed them in week one. The Drew Sample, CJ Uzuma combination put up fantastic numbers against them in week two. And while Dwayne Haskins wouldn't allow him to cash in on value, Logan Thomas still had quite a lot of targets. I think he ended up with uh, seven targets last week and four catches. So I think Schultz is about as safe as you can get at tight end this week. Um, He has upside. Anyone in the Dallas offense has upside. And he's just $4,900 on FanDuel. So I like Dalton Schultz this week. Yeah, just feel so bad for Blake Jarwin. This was definitely primed to be his breakout. So whatever you were thinking about um, poor man Jarwin, put Schultz right in there. He seems to be replicating what we projected for Jarwin. Always keep him in mind. What is the defensive play in cash games? Again, like we mentioned before, not a lot of great value. But where are you going with cash? Yeah, I wouldn't stray too far from those four that I gave, to be honest. Um, you know, I probably try to lean, you know, a little cheaper usually in cash games just because it gives me more options. But last week, uh, you know, one of my predominant cash game defenses ended up being the Colts home to the Jets. And obviously that paid off. So I'd probably stick with, with that strategy. I think it's probably Baltimore this week, um, you know, who I talked about earlier. That will be my predominant cash game defense. But I also want to give out, while, while I have the chance, two value running backs um, that you can play. One in cash, one I would rather do in tournaments. But David Montgomery is going to be a totally great cash play this week, I think. Also good for tournaments. Tariq Cohen's out for the year, and he's just $5,800. So I think you're looking at a really safe floor with him, and maybe he can sneak in a touchdown or two. And then, I hate to do this, but do it. Ronald Jones, Oh I no. Think, is a fine play. Probably not in cash. I don't know if I'll get to Ronald Jones in cash. I don't know how much I hate myself. I haven't gone through and constructed enough lineups yet, but I might play Ronald Jones in cash. I will definitely be playing a lot of Ronald Jones in tournaments this week. He looks to have a pretty safe floor, about 15 carries. He should be able to get, you know, two or three dump off targets from Brady. And I would imagine that unless he fumbles or does something to make Bruce Arians mad, he will get 100% of the goal line works, goal line work. Uh, without Leonard Fournette in tow this week. So uh, I wanted to toss out Rojo and David Montgomery. And uh, I will once again be touting Devin Singletary if Moss doesn't play, but it looks like Moss is back in. So I think Devin Singletary can be safely ignored once again. Key, Sean, Vaughn, season. The door is Ugh. being kicked open for him to walk right back through. Just when you thought he was out, he pulls you back in. Are you going to play a Vaughn tournament lineup this week? Absolutely the fuck not. No. <laughs> That's the right answer. That's 100% the right answer. Percent no. Okay, whenever guys. you're thinking about like whenever this is like a general rule and it works for Vaughn, but like whenever you're thinking about a running back or anyone, I guess, that's like really cheap, um, sort of a sleeper in terms of your DFS, don't think about like what you could get. Think about what you're missing out on. Right? Like think about like what is the worst reasonable outcome that I'm missing out on if I decide that Keyshawn Vaughn is not going to be in my portfolio this week. You're probably missing out on like eight carries, and on one of them, he finds a way to get to the end zone. Don't do it. Yeah, just don't make it harder than it has to be. That's one thing we like to say here a lot. Don't make it harder than it already has to be. Real quick, as fast as we can anyway, I want to get into 
game stacking uh, for this week. Because, again, we're going to do it a little bit differently because there's so many great games with high over-unders. So instead of just picking three and and being specific, uh, Jacob, I want you to quickly run through reasons why to stack or not stack each game, and then we can just rank our favorite games. Yeah, it's it's a little wild this week. There is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games with over-unders above 50. Um, I think we just saw two of those last week, which were the obvious ones that sort of everyone played. Uh, and so it leaves you with a lot of options in terms of what you want to do with your lineups. You know, look what happens when you get the, uh, the Broncos and the Jets off the main slate um, and the Steelers and the Titans off the main slate. All of a sudden, uh, everyone's playing high over under games. But yeah, I'm just going to run through them kind of in order um, as they appear to me. And then we'll go through and rank them later. First one up is Arizona, Carolina. This one only has an over under of 51. Um, to me, if Hopkins plays and, you know, we don't hear anything like he's going to be on a limited snap count or possibly use a decoy or, you know, whatever else bad news you might hear, this might be one of my favorite games of the week. Uh, you're getting two teams that play at a high pace. So that's a big positive and two defenses that I don't know if they're necessarily have been as bad as people thought they were going to be, but there's still nothing that I'm afraid of. So I like this game better with Carolina being at home because I think they have a better chance to keep pace with the Cardinals at home rather than playing it in Arizona. But fundamentally, it's a great game. You get two high-paced teams. It's a spread of just three points over under a 51. And I would bet that if Hopkins is declared healthy and ready to go before kickoff, that that over under even kicks up a little bit. You have lots of stacking options here. You know, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. You got Hopkins, obviously, on the, on the Arizona side, you can play Mike Davis for Carolina. Depending on how much you hate yourself, you can play Kenyon Drake one more week. I don't, I don't think I can do it. I, I've abandoned ship. But if you want to do one more week, it's, it's doable in tournaments. So I like, I like that game. Um, you know, next, next up for me is the Cleveland-Dallas game that we've talked a bit about. Oh, this yeah. is the highest over-under on the slate, which is oh. remarkable that Baker Mayfield is involved in the highest over-under on the slate. But <laughs> I think... Th- I think that's thing to do with him. (laughs) Yeah. Just along for the ride. He's the little brother that that you give the the controller to. That's not actually plugged in. (laughs) Yeah. I think that the 56 over under in this game is proof that we're probably just not going to see an over under under 50 for a single Dallas Cowboys game this year. Um, They cannot be stopped by anyone. They cannot stop anyone. Um, And they're really fun. You know, every week I feel like they're in this they're in this spot that we talk about. So hard to not like this game. I do worry um, that we're getting sort of our Icarus moment here with Dallas, right? Um, Dallas has chased the game the last two weeks, um, and so that you know obscene pace and the obscene passing volume that we love in DFS might come down if they actually get up in this game. We saw in Week One they went against a, a Rams team that really wanted to control the clock. They were really, really run heavy and they played quite slow. And that game only, I think ended up with 37 points. So we know it's possible and we know that Cleveland's going to attempt to do that. Right. I think that there's two ways that this game could go bad. Um, what number one is that Dallas just completely smokes them. Right. I don't think that would be very surprising. They're just up 21, nothing after the first quarter. And then it's just blowout city. And we spend a whole second half of, you know, Baker Mayfield chucking down to, uh, what's his name, Dontrell Hilliard or whatever it is. Um, and we get a lot of Tony Pollard rushing attempts and everyone's just really sad. Um, and I think it's equally possible that if Cleveland can get up in front early, they will just be 
you know, grinding the play clock down to one second, running it as many times as they can with Nick Chubb. And, you know, unless you are playing Nick Chubb, that kind of ruins this game for everybody else. So I think it's going to be really popular. I'm probably not going to play it as much as some, but I, I do like the game. It's hard to walk away from a 56 over under game. Man, um, Dallas is going to be one of those teams that you just follow the rule of player starters, player stars and roll with it until you, until it's not fun anymore. That's, that's how I'm going to look at them the rest of the year. I think. Absolutely. Um, next game up for me, and this is, this is my full fade game, um, of the ones that I think will be popular and it's new Orleans, Detroit. Um, I'll start with the positives. It's indoors. The over under is 54. The underdog is at home, which again, that's just a good thing in general because it lessens the, op- the chance of a blowout happening. Reason why I'm down on this game is that New Orleans, I don't know what to make of that New Orleans offense. You know, we saw Kamara just single handedly carry that offense against Green Bay. Um, while I'm sure Kamara will get plenty of volume, I don't know that that efficiency is going to be sustainable week over week. And if he's not breaking tons of tackles and generating tons of big plays, we're going to see a game that looks more like New Orleans playing Oakland than New Orleans playing Green Bay, where we might just see a lot of five-yard checkdowns to Kamara get tackled, and they don't really have any opportunity to play um, anything deeper, right? Drew Brees hasn't looked the same. They're missing Michael Thomas. They're missing Jared Cook. So I don't think we can look at this Saints team right now like you would normally look at a Saints team. And on the other end with Detroit, um, you know, we'll see. We have only have one game of them being fully healthy, and it wasn't fun for DFS, quite frankly. Um, last week, they clearly decided that their game plan was going to be to use Adrian Peterson relentlessly, um, play really, really slow, and try and control the clock against the high-flying offense in Arizona. So I would expect them to probably do a similar thing. I mean, they did win the game, so I, I don't see necessarily why Matt Patricia would want to change. And if we see a game where New Orleans can't hit big plays and their drives have to be really methodical and Detroit just wants to hammer Adrian Peterson up the A-gap 30 times for three yards a pop, then we're probably not looking at a game that's going to be going anywhere near over 54. So I will be smashing the under on this game and I will be playing Kamara a lot because he's a great play, but I don't, I don't foresee myself stacking this game. Here is why I would be. This is going to be my counter argument. Everyone on New Orleans' defense is hurt. Their top two corners, get out of here. Their linebacker, get out of here. Two of their two or three of their starting rotational defensive linemen, gone. Get out of here. This is a game that you can play a Hawk Stafford Galladay stack and laugh your way to the bank, I feel like, because where New Orleans might struggle, Detroit is going to light it up with a help healthy Kenny G. Man, I, I just, I am nervous, man. Like, I think it's, I think that's justifiable, but I just, I don't know. I think Detroit absolutely can if they want to do that. I, I don't think that they want to do that. Like, I'm, I'm actually going to pick, I'm kind of with you. Like, I'm going to pick Detroit to win this game. Um, I have them, you know, against the spread. I have them actually winning this game straight up, to, to be honest. But I just got a feeling that, that Patricia is going to Patricia. Like, I, I think if they are able to take advantage of the New Orleans defense, like you say that they will, and I think I agree with you. I think they're going to want to do it with Adrian Peterson. And I think that every touchdown drive they have is going to take like eight minutes. And New Orleans is going to play really slow because they always play really slow. And they're going to be able to, and they're not going to be able to pick up big plays. Like that's my biggest concern is that if Detroit doesn't want to pick up big plays and New Orleans can't pick up big plays, that every touchdown drive is going to take half a quarter. And I just think it's going to be kind of a slog. 
I think the way that this gets salvaged is if New Orleans gets a fast start, because then you're absolutely right. If New Orleans can get off to a fast start, then Detroit gets to play comeback mode and Stafford Galladay comeback mode is a blast. So I hope you're right because I want to watch this game and I have a lot of Kenny Galladay in my seasonal leagues, but I think it's, I see paths where this goes really wrong. And I think that even the path where this goes pretty right involves, um, you know, slow, such a slow game that it won't hit like crazy. No, I totally agree. But there is something to be said about the way Detroit just wants to air it out when Patricia is fighting for his job. What's the game that's up next? Yeah, up, up next, I've got Minnesota Houston. Um, oh talk about fighting for jobs. <laughs> I mean, we got two teams that made the playoffs last year. You know, I think their organizations definitely went into this season with playoff aspirations. Um, and they are both 0-3, right? I mean, you got to think that the loser of this game is definitively out of playoff contention and that their head coach is probably on the hot seat. So, you know, these are two teams that are going to be playing with an incredible sense of urgency. Uh, this might be my favorite game to stack of the week just because you're going to be in a situation where, you know, these teams are probably going to be going for fourth and twos, right? They're going to be running fake punts. They're going to be running fake field goals. They're going to be blitzing. Like they're going to be taking risks because their lives are on the line in this game. Their playoff lives, their fans not wanting, uh, not lining up angry at the games. And frankly, these coaches, right? I, I don't know that either of these coaches can stick around um, if they, if they really fail to meet expectations and Kirk cousins is going to be going into this game thinking, Hey, if, if we go to zero and four, they, they might start thinking about Lawrence. So I better really step it up. Um, you know, who in this game, that's sort of the best part, is, is it's really obvious who you stack, right? They each have a running back who's almost assured to see a vast majority of their team's workload in Cook and DJ. Um, obviously, you got the quarterback. You know, I feel a lot better playing Deshaun, but Kirk Cousins, really good for fantasy last week, and now he gets an even worse defense indoors. Um, in terms of where the ball's going with Houston, Cooks and Fuller are both super cheap. And they're both super fun. And they're both very capable of scoring like a 50, 60 yard touchdown against a really bad secondary. Um, Adam Thielen has seen an elite workload. I think he's another great play if you're spending up at wide receiver this week. And Justin Jefferson's a really fun play. He fully usurped Ola BC Johnson last week as he should have since week one. Uh, he looks phenomenal. Seven for 175. So I think that you can make a lot of fun stacks with this game. Play one of the quarterbacks. You know, play Fuller or Cooks or both. Play Jefferson or Thielen or both. Play one of the running backs. Um, I think it's really fun. And sneakily, I kind of like Jordan Aikens this week as well. Uh, Minnesota has been a pretty giving team um, to the tight end position. And Jordan Aikens is seeing quite a high target share. So if they do try to slow down um, Fuller uh, and Cooks on the outside, I think Aikens has a decent chance at a touchdown this week. Yep, definitely can't deny that. I have Aikens in quite a few lineups. I'm feeling dangerous. What's next? Seattle, Miami. Um, this might be my second favorite game to stack. Um, you know, this is this is risky because, like, there's absolutely a world where Seattle just wins this game like 42 to nothing. Um, For sure. So I guess the risky part of it is game stacking it. Like, I'm not, I don't really feel that nervous playing anyone on Seattle. Um, 
I think this is one where I'm trusting to let Russ Cook change. You know, like last year, I hated playing Seattle against bad teams because even though I had full faith in Russell Wilson to be really good, you know, we saw so many times last year where if they got up like 10 nothing, um, then it was just, okay, game's over. We'll just run it a million times. But, 100%. You know, when you adjust for, for situation, they're the most pass-happy team in the NFL. Um, so I think at least we're going to get a full first half of them passing. And Seattle's defense is awful. So I see no reason why Fitzpatrick won't be able to start slinging it around and having some success. So I'm going to have a lot of, you know, Wilson Metcalf, Wilson Lockett stacks as per usual. If Carson's like fully healthy, I'll play him in tournaments. I'm not going to play a, an injured running back in cash because that seems really dumb, but I will do it in tournaments. And Oof. I'm absolutely going to play some Fitz and I'm absolutely going to play some Parker and Gasicki bring backs and, Maybe I'll even play Gaskin because even though I just can't really believe it, his role is pretty good. It seems pretty secure. It's going to be my most stacked game. I'm going to have a lot of Wilson, Metcalf, Lockett, Gesicki, Parker, because the Dolphins are cheap, and that game's going to be absolutely wild, man. What do you got next? Yeah, last last of the big games. Uh, it's Buffalo and it's the Raiders. Um, you know, this one, I think, I have some pace concerns because the Raiders play slow, like really, really slow. And they've played slow pretty much the entire time under Gruden, especially at home going up against the high flying Buffalo offense. That's weird to say, but it's true at this point. Um, deny it. I expect, deny it. Uh, sorry. I said, you can't deny it. Buffalo's lighting it up right now. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, I, I think the Raiders game plan in this one is going to be just to run it a lot with Jacobs, control the pace, slow the game down. And if they're successful in that, probably not a lot of fun to be at for DFS. But if they're unsuccessful in that and Buffalo gets up front, then, you know, they're probably going to have to start passing a lot. Um, where Buffalo is strong is at corner, and that's pretty irrelevant because the Raiders don't have wide receivers anyhow. So I think that they're going to be, uh, you know, decently successful throwing it to Waller. Um, and running it and maybe throwing it to Jacobs, right? You know exactly where the ball's going. It's going to be Waller and Jacobs, and there's no one else worth playing on the Raiders' side. With Buffalo, Diggs should be able to light it up this week. Uh, you know, he even had success last week, and he was getting almost, you know, he's getting shadowed a lot by Jalen Ramsey. So if he can beat Jalen Ramsey and have a good fantasy week, uh, I don't think he'll have much trouble against the Raiders' secondary. Um, Singletary, if Moss is out, is a good play. If Moss does play, I'm not playing the backfield. But Allen's a great play, seemingly always this year. So I don't mind this game. How would you rank them? What are your three favorites in order? Oh, man. Definitely Miami, Seattle, the Carolina, Arizona, and and I got to say Dallas, Cleveland, man. And those are my three in order. Those are the three I'm targeting the most. One thing I wanted to add to Vegas is they're without Ruggs and Edwards this week, both out. Um. Our man, the slot machine, Hunter Renfro, not a bad option on the cheap. He's definitely going to get targeted like crazy, especially if Vegas gets down. Him and Waller should eat this week for sure. They're definitely going to get the snaps. Yeah, so, and Renfro has broken big plays in the past. Like I, He's not Danny Amendola out there. Like He actually can provide some upside um, if he gets the volume, and he should be able to get it this week. For sure, man. He's definitely a very sneaky, sneaky play because Carr's going to go to him and go to him often without the other options. Guys, those are going to be our game breakdowns. One thing we both like to do is let you know what our big money-making, most confident lineup that we have right now. 
We obviously don't like to give you options on guys who might be hurt and out, so we just get them out of there, and we get and set a full-on, what we hope to God to be healthy by the time the games roll around, <laughs> lineups for you guys to enter with us and make money. Jacob, what is your big-time million-dollar, can't-be-stopped, gonna-happen, no-matter-what play of the week? Yeah, here's my here's my first Sunday million lineup. Um, I'm playing Deshaun Watson at quarterback. He's my favorite play of the week. I am stacking Deshaun Watson with Will Fuller and with Brandon Cooks this week, um, which is you know a really nice low salary triple stack. I'm going to play Delvin Cook as my bring back option. So I'm assuming in that case that Minnesota gets an early lead and that um, you know we're going to get Houston in comeback mode with throwing a Cooks and throwing a Fuller. I'm going to play Kamara in my RB2 slot there because I think he should be just in every lineup. The floor is just so incredibly high. And then in my last flex, we're going to go with Joe Mixon as my third running back. Um, I know it's scary, but I for one more week, I'm going to ride with Joe Mixon. <laughs> and then rounding out that lineup, we're doing a little mini stack of the Dallas-Cleveland game. We're playing Beckham, and then we're playing Dalton Schultz on the bring back there. That leaves me with exactly $5,000 left, and I'm going to just scroll over, and I'm going to hit the Ravens defense um, I don't love usually spending up this much in a tournament lineup, but I think the Ravens are worth it because there's just no other really high floor, really high ceiling options on the board um, like Baltimore is this week. So that's my lineup. What do you got? What are you going to make on the fly here? All right. Well, I'm making it on the fly and I'm actually going to, I'm going to throw a few little curveballs your way. And we're actually going to see a lot of, uh, similarities in our lineups but i'll tell you this he did well for me last week in the in the lineups that i won money i'm going with the gunslinger the dgaff master ryan fitzpatrick because as we mentioned earlier i'm DraftKings. he's a little bit cheaper at 5400 we Woo! are bring in ryan fitz magic a lot of people think two is coming into this game he's not he's hurt he's or, sorry he's sick he's done see ya fitz you're my guy, quarterback at 5,400. At running back, I am stacking Alvin Kamara. He's 8,000. He's I don't care. We're getting him in the lineup. Very similar to you. I know it's a little boring. Dalvin Cook is going in because Houston's defense. I'm not scared of it. Watt's not the same player he used to be, and everyone else sucks. Even if Earl Thomas signs in time, which I don't think is going to happen, he's not really going to play, and if he does... I don't care about him anyway. So at 7,600, Dalvin Cook is in my lineup. Here are some more similarities. I know, boring. Will Fuller in my lineup, 5,900. A little bit of this is good juju, a little good karma because of so many dynasty rosters. I got to root for him a little bit more and pray for his hammies. I'm praying for his hammies tomorrow night <laughs> for a healthy Sunday. Following that up with Brandon Cooks, who's 4,500. He is how I am sneaking Kamara and Cook into this lineup because at 4,500, you can't go wrong with a guy who's probably getting seven targets against a horrendous defense now. But people are probably thinking, but like, Tom, you got to stack players. Oh, I'm stacking it right here. Devontae Parker at 5,700. Seattle can't stop anyone. Touchdowns are coming with Parker being healthy. And at tight end at 5,100. 5,100 on DraftKings. Mike Gesicki, he's in the lineup. It's coming. More touchdowns. If we can get two for Parker, two for Gesicki, and five for Fitzpatrick with a rushing touchdown against Seattle, ooh, baby, I'm ready for it. 
I'm ready for it. My flex position, full point PPR, so you can get away with receivers, DJ Moore. I believe in him. It's going to happen. This is the week, because if it's not, a lot of my dynasty teams are going to be upset. So once again, this is a little bit of a fun karma juju play, a little boat of confidence. The coach, he's put you in the game. Unfortunately, that doesn't leave us with a lot of money for our defense. I know it sucks. 2200 not a lot. But who did the Lions play last week, Jacob? They played the Arizona Cardinals. And did they pick off Kyler Murray a few times? They picked him off three times. I have faith that the Detroit Lions are going to not only get to Drew Brees, who's going to be missing uh, at least one starting lineman, but I think they're going to be able to pick him off because their receivers right now are doo-doo, and they don't have an experienced tight end. It's just Kamara. I think they're going to give Kamara his catches, his yards, maybe give up a touchdown, but when you're looking for value, you're looking for sacks and turnovers, and I think I think they're going to be able to get it because the Saints just don't look right, and they're missing so many people on both sides of the ball, and I think it gets a little bit ugly. I think they get down early, and Drew Brees in comeback mode without his favorite weapons, aside from Kamara, is going to not look pretty. So that's my absolute banger of a lineup. Fitzpatrick, Kamara, Cook, Fuller, Cooks. Devontae Parker, Gesicki, DJ Moore, and my sneaky defensive play of the week, the Lions defense. That's going to do it for us. That's going to do it for the week four edition of the Full Tilt Fantasy DFS podcast. Once again, you can let us know what your plays are. Show us a picture of your lineup. Tell us if you're making any money. Tell us if you're not. Maybe we can help you out and we can just bring a little bit of money in your pocket and give you a little bit extra excitement in the games this weekend. So for me, your host, Tom Tipple, FF underscore IMBQ, and my co-host, Jacob Sanderson, at FF underscore RTDB, we are wishing you a happy hunting weekend. And always remember this one super important thing. There's a no, fight no. going on out there, gentlemen. Why don't you get in it? Clear eyes, full hearts. Get